This is Joel Spolsky, the host of the Stack Overflow podcast. Our podcast depends on listeners like you, who aren't you because you're already listening, and we need more listeners like you. We don't have any kind of fancy marketing budget, so please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends to subscribe. Thank you. Did we get a screenshot of how much Ben looks like Jesus on like a plaque on my aunt's wall? <laughs> oh my God, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's fantastic. <laughs> Please don't turn it off. I didn't really anticipate that effect. <laughs> this is the Stack Overflow Podcast, episode 121, recorded Thursday, November 9th, 2017, at Stack Overflow headquarters in New York City, where more than 8 million people live in peace and enjoy the benefits of democracy and where you can always find hot steam leaking out of pretty much every crack and crevice in the street, presumably <laughs> from the center of the earth. Today's podcast is brought to you by Oracle. Stack Overflow is grateful for our friends at Oracle's longtime support for this podcast and for our community. Learn more about all the ways Oracle supports open source, Java, and developers like you at oracle.com developers. And Atlantic City, all the splendor of Las Vegas, just a short, smelly, depressing bus ride from New York's smelly and depressing Port Authority Terminal. Get up to $10 in free slot credits for seniors and recovering addicts and see the sparkling sands of America's playground, where only some of the sparkles are hypodermic needles. On today's podcast, we have our usual crew, Stack Overflow CTO, David Fullerton. Hi. News editor Ilana Itsaki. Hello. Producer Jess Pardue. Hiya. And joining us today in the studio are regular guest and engineering manager right here at Stack Overflow, Matt Sherman. Hello. And our highly irregular guest, Ben Kamins. Ben is a longtime friend of the company, former VP of engineering at Fog Creek and Khan Academy, where he was also the first employee. Welcome, Ben. Hey, how's it going? Good. Joel Spolsky is out on a personal day getting fitted for smart home compatible gutter drains and tap dancing shoes. <laughs> I'm Jay Hanlon, your host, VP and general manager of Stack Overflow, best known as the pretty girl Bruce Springsteen pulled on stage and dancing in the dark. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Jay. Hi. You're welcome. I want to hear more about these smart home gutter drains. That sounds like a <laughs> product that I would be interested in, actually. Of course you do. So how is everybody? Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> that what an answer no we're, That's a we're good we're good are we past the spooky halloween thing we're we're not doing it yes. anymore oh, it's spooky. oh man you know you can be spooky if you want ben no one's I'm gonna right. stop you. <laughs> make your own I'm rules in. here the word okay. is spoopy thank you very spoopy. much it's spoopy. spoopy i really enjoyed last week's podcast i wanted it to be kind of a disaster like you do when you're out and missing yeah. a thing but it, it was, was good it was phenomenal it, it was, was really, really good <laughs> So Jess, my understanding though is since then some tragedy has befallen you. You have a ranch. You have something you want to, you want to complain about? I do, and I'm really excited because this is my first rant. I like people who enjoy their anger. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. So I'm an Apple user. I have an iPhone seven, and so many of us this past week have been dealing with this Unicode glitch, the bug, <laughs> where every time we put in I, it's A a capital A and then a Unicode question mark. Wait. So for listeners who aren't familiar, this is it's when you type. Like just an eye by itself. An eye by itself. Like if you're saying like I am going to the store, it'll come up a Unicode question mark. And it actually replaces it after, right? You it type the I it first, after. and then yeah. you're like typing the next word, and it's like, oh, you didn't mean to type the letter I here. Let's yep. change that. But it doesn't even change it like before I press send. It changes it after I press send. Oh, I didn't know that. That's but, even yeah, that's I don't awful. have an iPhone. Oh, so it doesn't show you it. And is it only when it's lowercase? Is that right? <laughs> no, it's when it's uppercase. 
Okay. So any I by itself, like by whatever itself. you are using itself, I as yeah. the subject. Yes. To, that's it's terrible. It's Apple punishing you for talking about yourself. <laughs> it's right. awful. And I don't tweet a whole lot. I do tweet some though. But some I'm like really like jokes I'm very proud of. And then like, yeah, and then it comes up in this horrible like gobbledygook of letter salad and it's just awful. If it makes you feel better, we did not notice the difference. <laughs> <laughs> One of the worst imaginable outcomes, I think, of that bug is that it could ruin your funny Twitter joke. Right? Yep. So I tweeted about it to Apple. I wasn't very nice about it. Just in the like, second or third person, I assume. <laughs> yeah, okay. like, hey, Apple, can you do something about this? Because it's been almost a week or something like that that this has been happening, which is way too long for something crazy like that to be happening. And they actually tweeted back to me from Apple support saying, that here's what you do to fix this until there's an update. And it's basically you have to go in <laughs> and make a shortcut a workaround for I that comes up as I. A lowercase i, right? Can you do a capital I or is it lowercase? They have a little snippet on their support for both. So I'd have to make two. But for me, it was only coming up when I did uppercase Uppercase I. I. So I had to go through and try to fix it. And I was a little stubborn about this because I'm like, I'm not going to make an I shortcut for I. I mean, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. So then I was like, you know, I'll, I'll actually do it. So I went in and made the shortcuts, and then I tweeted about this, yay, I finally fixed this thing, and then it came up, yay, A, face, Unicode question mark, <laughs> finally fixed this thing, and I was so upset. But today, there was an update for it, and I literally downloaded the update right before this podcast recording, so I'll tweet about it later and see if it works. I just downloaded the Gboard. Instead of making the shortcut, I have the oh, Gboard, but I don't, I don't uh, like the Gboard. I'm not a fan of it What's either, G- but it's a Google board. Google and you can swipe. Board? Is a Google yeah. board like a hoverboard? I don't understand. <laughs> you could do the swipe. Oh, everything. Oh, it's a second, a third party keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you not find that when you install a third party keyboard with like 100% battery on your phone, your phone dies 30 seconds later? Like all those, ba- <laughs> the keyboards are brutal. I haven't experienced that, but I have several keyboards. I have a Hebrew keyboard. I have. You don't have the to get G-board. defensive and brag about it. It's fine. Going back to the Apple bug, has anyone seen what's actually going on there? I saw some explanation that it's some machine learning system that has gone haywire and presumably is about to take over the world. <laughs> the um, cloud believes you meant to say a Unicode. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that is what is actually going on. It's like some system, like I imagine a spell check that's it, like, it, oh, let's auto replace. Yeah, is it autocorrect? With... Is that what's doing it? It's, yeah, it's, it's doing it autocorrect, it. yeah. So couldn't you yeah. turn off autocorrect? I did not turn off autocorrect, but... That was not their suggested yeah. workaround. Interesting. Interesting. I wish their it's... suggested workaround had been to replace I with an emoji I. <laughs> I think they had it. That would have been great. That's awesome. If I'm not mistaken, I saw a letter, an uppercase I in the emojis that had not been there before. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I do know autocorrect has some kind of, I don't know if it's really machine learning, but it does learn over time. You know they say that you never believe them? Because I've stopped, I, I no longer ever send texts that are like, I'm not ducking, kidding. Like I stopped having yeah. ducks everywhere in my text. And so I believe it is learning over time, which is nice. Cool. Yep. That was my rant. But Gee, hopefully cursed. it will be <laughs> fixed as of the end of this podcast. Or as they say, F A box X. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just happy the long national nightmare appears to be over, which allows us to switch to our most exciting segment today, Ben Kamen. So welcome, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me. So actually, tell our listeners, some of them may not know the whole family history. So you were once VP of engineering at Fog Creek. But first of all, tell our friends, what is Fog Creek exactly? 
What is Fog Creek? <laughs> Fog Creek is an awesome development shop. We're building all sorts of special tools for developers. I have a feeling this crowd knows all about Fog Creek, though, so I'm not going to dive into that too much. This crowd knows Fog Creek well, right? Certainly everyone in this room is familiar, but some of our listeners may not know. Fog Creek was Joel Sapolsky and his partner, Michael Pryor's first company, makers of Fogbugs, Kiln, the one where the kid's booting into the trash can so you can connect to people's computers. Yeah, co-pilot. Co-pilot. <laughs> it's possible that is a CRT monitor, but my wife always calls it that throw-up <laughs> shirt when I wear it. And I forgot a product. What did I forget? I'm so embarrassed. Glitch. Glitch. Oh, Trello of course. Today, glitch. today best known for Trello, which they spun off ultimately, and Glitch, where they make all the glitchies with our friends and sometime guest hosts, Neil Dash, Jen Schiffer, and others. But then you left there to go to Khan Academy. Were you really the first employee at Khan Academy? Yeah, yeah. Well, first engineer, I teamed up with the two founders as sort of the first employee. And I was volunteering for them for a while before that. But at Fog Creek, I was one of the early people there as well. It's where I got to know David and was lucky enough to work with him. I interned there when it was you know, three or four people. And then we grew to, I don't know, when I left for Khan Academy, maybe around 35 or 40 people or so. And yeah, Khan Academy, I was volunteering for a while when it was just the founder, Sal Khan. He had been putting all of these you know, videos online, yep. educational videos. And I was sort of researching educational technology because I really wanted to get involved and went to his website. And he had a website with a 6,000 long list of links to YouTube videos in text. <laughs> and I, I thought I could help him somewhat on the, on the technical side. And so I reached out, started volunteering for him as an open source contributor for a while. And then when it was decided to sort of make it a real company and he brought in some funding, I teamed up. And yeah, yeah I was there for the last six years or so scaling up the educational company. And how did that happen? So did Sal one day decide to turn this into something more of a startup with investors? Or was he planning to do that all along? Or what was your sense of that? No. So first of all, it stayed a nonprofit. And part of the reasoning there is even though there was a lot of growth, and certainly a lot of investors were interested in, in making it a, a for-profit startup, Sal tends to think in really sci-fi like timeframes. And he was really interested in... <laughs> <laughs> really, really interested in trying to build an entity that could last for hundreds of years. And, you know, if you look at the types of things that have lasted hundreds of years, you're left with, you know, universities and religious organizations and, you know, nonprofits have a chance at, at lasting a very long time in a way that you could argue for profits might not. So, you know, he is a real, he loves sci-fi. It's a lot of where the inspiration for Khan Academy came from. And so it stayed a nonprofit for that reason. But the sort of original formation of, oh, let's scale up and make it this thing is, Sal was putting these videos online and then he got a text from one of his friends who said, you know, Bill Gates is talking about you and your videos at the Aspen Ideas Festival. And, you know, so Sal, of course, sort of looked out and was trying to figure out how do you get in contact with Bill Gates? I don't know what do I do. Who do I call? I have no idea. You know, and so he called some connections and tried to get in contact with them. Eventually got in contact with Bill Gates, flew up and met him. Bill said, you know, my kids and I use this all the time and I love it and I want to, you know, give you some more money to support this. And so at that point, it became clear we could you know, higher up and, and make a team. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about maybe starting the Fog Creek era. One of the things I'm always interested in is it's an interesting transition going from any role, but we're always interested more in developers here from a developer to team lead and a manager. What were sort yeah. of the most interesting, I don't know, changes for you or things that you experienced in that transition that maybe are interesting or helpful to others? I've actually heard a lot of nice things about you as a manager, personally, not from David, to be crystal clear. <laughs> well, that. That makes sense to me, but hopefully you know that everything David said is complete BS. So yes, no, I, I, would have, I would have rejected that <laughs> hand and, and not brought it up because it would have been weird to be like, I heard this thing from a liar. So, yeah. uh, you know. That's, that's really nice to hear, Ben, from somebody who I kind of consider one of my first mentors. 
<laughs> I knew there was a reason I liked Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tough transition. Uh, this is probably a topic which, you know, this crew has delved deep on. I think one of the sort of overriding toughest things for that transition is just it becomes really hard to feel good about the work that you've done because you're so disconnected compared to your previous visceral connection to product that your own assessment of what you've done every day and where you get your own value and ego from changes drastically. And then that has all sorts of knock-on consequences for how you handle yourself. When you're stressed out, what do you go do? Do you go try to become a better manager? Do you fall back into the trap of trying to write code all day long? But until you can really understand and start to feel the effectiveness of being a manager or being a lead, I think that sort of underlying angst that comes from the separation of making progress every day can drive a lot of the symptoms that people tend to talk a lot more about when they talk about the specific behaviors that get hard when you're a manager. So that's always one of the things that I, you know, I had to work on a lot and I certainly work on with other managers. I've, you know, I've sort of helped make this transition, which is just understanding your value, understanding when you're stressed, when you're uncertain what to do next, what are the you know, actual concrete things you can do to feel like you made progress that day? And how can you remind yourself of that progress? Because you know, there's just nothing like being a coder and sitting down and solving problems. And then at the end of the day, knowing that you solved those problems, it's so visceral and it's hard to replace. I think I've been a manager probably for about 18 years now. When you described that moment when you stop feeling that angst all the time about whether you're doing it right, I was really intrigued because I'm wondering when that moment might come. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say doing it right. I said you're doing something. You at least feel like you're trying to make some progress, help somebody. <laughs> One question we like to ask sort of all of our guests who are developers who join us on the show sort of across the board is based on your interactions, who was a worse human being, David Fullerton or Brett Kiefer? Mm. <laughs> That's tough. You go that low on the scale. And ah! the that hard, uh... Do you want to come Thanks, on every Thanks. week? Thanks. This is going to work. Yes, separate. please. Those are two of my favorite people, but, but they're the worst. <laughs> the question we actually ask all of our guests who have experienced this is, hey, I'm interested, how did you first get started coding? What first kind of pulled you into computers on the non-user side of things? You know, sort of geeky story in that you know, my dad was a doctor, but he was also sort of writing the electronic medical record for his hospital at the time when they didn't exist a ton. And eventually his company got squashed by the big electronic medical records like everybody else. But he was making some software and I thought it was cool. And I also really wanted to play the silly little video games on my computer all the time. And my dad set up some basic rules about how much time I had to spend learning about programming and computing <laughs> in order to unlock those video games. And then soon I discovered that I could make some of my own games and make a ball bounce around. And then, you know, coding really caught on for me there. But I will say that when I went to school, you know, I did not go into computer science originally. I went to study philosophy. I just super applicable. To... A lot of jobs. A lot of jobs. I know. I know that that degree worked out well. I believe you can become a philosophy professor or unemployed. Is my understanding. Basically. <laughs> you know, but I guess what I'm saying is I wasn't sort of always saying, "Oh, I have to be a coder. I have to be a coder." I just certainly enjoy it a ton, and I was really influenced. I decided to intern at Fog Creek, and you know, tying it back to this crew and Joel. I was really influenced by the thing that Joel would always say when he would say that you know, you're really lucky in this specific moment in time and history if you develop certain technical skills because you can sort of take a look at how you want the future to be and you have some real leverage in terms of trying to create that future in some way. And that always really stuck with me. And you know, even when I interned at Fog Creek, I thought I would stay in academia, but that statement turned out to really affect me and yeah, steer a lot of how I think about being a coder. That's really cool. And I think that there's something interesting in there 
around the like in the past, like when you wanted to have a big influence on the world, right? You had to imagine yourself growing through this massively scaling thing over huge periods of time where now I own a company that can make 10 times as many like cranes and the, <laughs> the sort of free scaling of software, right? The fact that if you can come up with something interesting and useful, essentially an infinite number of people can have it with no incremental cost, right? Sort of changes the agency any one individual has in like a really, I don't know, interesting way, I think. Yeah. And I mean, the relative ease of starting new ventures, the spread of technology to so many different industries means that with certain specific skill sets, you can actually jump between industries and actually help meaningfully. You go back 50 years, maybe 20 years, certainly you go back 50 years, we're in such a lucky moment to be able to think that you can sort of have those crazy thoughts and think, well, you know, I want to go help in education. I want to go help in this other place. And it's actually possible. It's very difficult. I, you know, it's not guaranteed, but it's actually possible. And you've put me back 50 years. I would give anything to be now and be able to do that. It's a unique thing. So, you know, that sort of, you can try to see the future and invent what you want. I remember Joel saying that. And, you know, I, I really think that, yeah, I didn't mean to get preachy quickly, but that has really affected <laughs> what I do. So wait, is this the future you wanted? Because I'm confused. <laughs> well, I won't get into that. So going off that, you know, I, I knew you really well at Fog Creek and worked with you a bunch there. And then sort of watching your career, I feel like you're the sort of altruistic version of myself, sort of your progression from Fog Creek to Khan Academy to getting involved in education to some of what you're trying to do now after leaving Khan. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what led to that decision and, and what's exciting about that to you? Sure. Yeah. But nothing altruistic about it. I'm just selfish and I enjoy these problems. So, I mean, originally with Khan Academy, it was, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be involved in education. It seems like a very high impact way to affect the world. Also seems super fun to try to build this resource that's widely available to people that helps them learn things. And, you know, I definitely got bit there with this. And I'm, I'm sure you've felt this with Stack Overflow when you see the impact or when you hear about people getting jobs, the extent of learning that you're enabling, you get bit with this feeling that small groups of people can have this huge impact. and you know, it's just infectious and it makes you want to you know, do that more and more. So anyway, very hard decision to leave Khan Academy. A lot of personal stuff there. The, the biggest personal thing for me is I've had type 1 diabetes for over 20 years. So that specific disease, man, it's sort of chronic. Every meal, every exercise, every interaction nature means that you naturally build up a lot of empathy for people who deal with illness or people who deal with health conditions. And I decided I wanted to sort of align my career path with you know building something technically that can help reduce burdens of disease that was always something which was sort of itching in the back of my mind but you know i guess for a long time in my life i didn't want to let a disease sort of steer my professional career but then over time as i matured i just realized it's sort of an advantage i have i have this empathy for what it's like to deal with health conditions so that's sort of the underlying reason why i left Khan academy i wanted to do the same thing we just talked about, where technical people can team up with other great content matter experts and experts in other areas and help enable them and help build new things that can make a difference in a different industry. So I left to try to do that. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm working on a company that's sort of accelerating research in the drug discovery space, teaming up with a bunch of biologists. That's awesome. That's super cool. And I think you're right. When you think about sort of where do you have an unfair advantage, you just start from a much better ability to understand the need. Right? We talk about understanding users' needs is that's one of those zones where like, I think it's just hard to put yourself in the head of somebody experiencing that when you haven't had anything similar. It's not the same as like, I've bought this thing. I haven't bought this other thing. That's great. Yeah, totally. And you know, you always hear that advice, pick a problem you have and go solve it. Or, you know, if you know the problem, that's the way to start a company or a project. And I think, you know, part of it is you are an expert in that problem. Yep. But honestly, I feel like 90% of it is you're just aware that it hasn't been solved yet. 
So you keep working on it. It just makes you want to keep working on it because you still have the problem. Like the company I'm doing is not specifically focused on diabetes, but I've talked to VCs about the diabetes space and, you know, I've had people push me out of the office saying it's going to be solved in five years. So I'm not really that interested in it. And, you know, I could look at them and I could say, like, I could see how you would believe that. But, you know, trust me, as somebody who is living it and who is aware of everything that's going on, I am very aware that this problem still exists. And so it gives me the confidence that it's worth working on. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm an expert. I'm not an expert in biology. It just means that I see the reason not to stop. Yeah, I think Scott Hanselman, who's been on with us before, I've seen him tweet before in like great annoyance when he's like, people who don't understand diabetes should stop tweeting out that they have like a robotic, I'd lost the organ. Pancreas. Pancreas now, because that's not how it's going to work. Like yeah. it's a massive oversimplification by people that frankly just can't relate to sort of how much impact it has day to day on, on just so many things. Yeah, I think that's right. Scott's awesome. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah. He's actually the person who sort of inspired me to be more public about it. I was originally really quiet about having a disease. So based on the stealth nature of your current work, I'm going to assume it's like to help rich people get the blood of young people pumped through them <laughs> to make it. them live longer or something like that. <laughs> you absolutely nailed it. So I know you can't talk about the specifics of that yet, but if you are soliciting Blood Boys, we do have an ad network on Stack Overflow. We'll, we'll put you in touch with Perfect. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to become Batman. That makes sense. You know, that that's... Does. That's what that he's doing. That sounds pretty awesome. You'd have to be kind of secretive uh, about that too, probably. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm lame about, you know, I've learned that in the biotech space, there's really good reason to be a little bit more quiet about what you're doing at the start, which is why I'm being a little bit lame. You know, if you intend to publish or you're partnered with academic people, it can be a litigious field. There's just a lot of complexity in, in biotech. It's good. We're going to drum up the hype first. And then <laughs> when you're ready to talk, everyone's going to be on. to do the opposite. So let's do that. That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> I have no idea what a center hook is, but I think they're going to be on those, whatever that <laughs> metaphor means. And that's totally understandable from somebody who's definitely not becoming Batman. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying all the things you'd say if you were becoming Batman, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, Ben, we do hope you will stick around and continue to participate in our general idiocy. And as you may not know, but our listeners certainly do, we are preparing a constitution for Stack Overflow. And each week we bring you, our loyal listeners, a proposal. And you decide on whether that proposal becomes part of our new fake constitution. Last week's proposal was... Candy corn, do you find it disgusting or are all your taste buds already dead? <laughs> Probably burnt out by a fun dip and pixie stick-fueled bender in your path. I'm sorry, I've been wow. handed a note. What? When I said all your taste buds were dead and something about pixie sticks, uh, that was, uh, I misread delicious. <laughs> the question pro was candy corn is delicious and even better than unicorn. And con <laughs> was candy corn is scarier than children of the corn. <laughs> I'm just in a, I'm really enjoying the corn thing, if you couldn't tell. And here with the actual results from last week is news editor Ilana Yatsaki. I'm a little disappointed with our listeners. I thought it would be a little bit higher. For Khan, 63%. Oh, it's close. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I don't know why there were any pros. Who likes candy corn? Gross. Some people like candy corn. I don't know who these people are, and I think they're wrong. I could give but... you all of their names in our office. You know, I... <sighs> Ben, what do you think about candy corn? I've got a, a tray of it over here because I was trying to be sort of festive for Halloween, but you know, it's not—it's not my favorite. Gathering dust. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, dusty yeah, candy sort of corn. <laughs> dusty candy corn would be a great band name. Love it. True. Love it. I will go to all their concerts. Might be an aggressive term for the <laughs> venues they'll be playing at. Would they sing pop music? Because <laughs> it's corn yeah, and you can pop the okay. Boo. Well, thank you, Adam Richheimer. 
I hope I'm not killing that last name there. At Adam ZR Pro, because to support corn in all its forms is what it means to be American. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And I, I do have an important follow up item, I'm afraid, which is last week, I think our lovely and talented guest hosts who are just fantastic did make one minor error in communicating the constitutional question results. And this is important. Because they reversed what pro and con meant. They might have thought that pro meant, yes, you can be on a treadmill desk all the time, and con means you can't be, except it's a law, and laws ban things, and they got it wrong. So I just want to be crystal clear, get off your damn treadmill desks because it's illegal now. There was a mix-up in the results. Did I make a mistake? It seems hard. I see. I blame. I blamed it on the people not here. You see how I did that? Because they're just. There's no. So you're saying that Anil and Jen are horrible, and that they did a horrible. No, no. Job I think hosting. they made an honest mistake. They are horrible people, <laughs> okay. both, okay. especially Jen, who was trying to troll me with Star Trek, Star Wars stuff. <laughs> but no, I just. It's important. I don't want anyone to be caught up in the stiff arm of the law due to ignorance of the law, which, as we all know. Still no excuse. Which brings us to this week's question. And selecting this week's question is our very own guest host, Matt Sherman. And I don't know which one he's picked. So, Matt, what is this week's proposed constitutional amendment? This proposed amendment has a name. It is the Limoncelli Amendment. Oh, no. I know what this one is. Referring to Tom Limoncelli. (laughs) Oh, no. A tech personality. (laughs) An employee here at Stack Overflow. Well-known author. Yes, well-known author. This is That is true. We will link to Tom has a recent version or a new book out that I'm told is phenomenal. And we will link to that book in the the written word things that come with podcasts. The blog that I write every Monday. That's what I meant. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here it is. And if you like it, if you dislike it, let Tom know. (laughs) The proposal is con, full name. And this is actually topical with Ben here. I think Um. this is perfect. Con, full name, Con Noonien Singh was the best villain on Star Trek. That is the assertion for which we will be pro or con, but hold on, hold on. So many questions. The assertion is that con was the best villain on Star Trek. If you are pro this, that means con. And if you are con, (laughs) not con. (laughs) Wait, the first thing I just learned is that con, this is the villain played by beloved Ricardo Montalban, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, had a middle and last name. That was news to me. Okay. Again, Tom may be making it up. He's not very trustworthy, so this might be just a... <laughs> to be clear, we're talking about the original con here, not like yes. the reboot con... Star oh, Trek not the, the Benedict younger Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. No, no, no. no we're talking about Ricardo Montalban. It's got to be Star Trek to the wrath of said con. Right. Con. con. Yes. It's, uh, like Khan Academy. Exactly, yes. exactly. The wrath together. of Sal Khan. I would so watch that movie like, <laughs> so many times. Ben, did you ever see Sal Khan in a state of wrath? I did, a number of times. <laughs> this joke certainly made its rounds at Khan Academy quite uh, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, way to really poop on Lehman um, Shelley you know, and his amendment hey, proposal right. it, it's joke. Not, you know, I like the amendment. It's a good amendment. Okay, so, two, not so wait, what do we think about this? Was he the best Star Trek villain? Does anybody actually have an opinion on this question? So I wanted to share my recollection of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan is very, very simple. There was screaming, which I think everyone refers to regularly. It's well known <laughs> in the memes. But there was another thing. I'm fairly certain in that movie... Khan had like these animals that were supposed to be aliens, but they weren't really aliens. They were just like armadillos from Earth, except these armadillos had weird little like sluggy things under their armadillo flaps that would then crawl into your ears to reproduce more like armadillos in your belly. And I am now 42 years old and still have nightmares about those things (laughs) crawling into my ears. I used to always be worried about something crawling in my ear. Yes. Always worried. And there are these flies that will crawl in your ear. 
Like for real? I'm gonna send you my therapy <laughs> bill before I just wanna be clear. Well, I remember learning about these flies and just being so skeeved out about it and it brought me back to it's Star Wars, right? Not Star Trek. Star Trek. Are you are no, you no. trying Star to shiffer me? Don't you shiffer <laughs> okay, me. Oh, I love that shiffer is now a verb. <sighs> I think the psychological, the Borg actually scared me a lot more. The Borg. Interesting. It's a later Star Trek villain. Huh? Sure, yeah. The Borg first appear in The Next Generation, if I'm not mistaken. And Q, remember Q? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who else? Who are some other villains from Star Trek? Who appeared up on the screen? There was the whales, the one with the whales. That was the best with Star Trek IV. That was the best movie. You're the first person who's ever said that in the history of the world. (laughs) It's so bad. Whenever I cursed, my mother would yell at me, even though I learned it from her, and then Spock (laughs) on the train, or was it the bus? And he said they were colorful metaphors. Colorful metaphors? Oh, my God. Oh, wait. Hang on. I take it back. I was mixing that up with the terrible Superman movie where they're trying to get world peace and get rid of the nuclear weapons. I like the whale Star Trek movie. Wait, the whales were the bad guys? Yes, exactly. No, no they, were, they were the bad guys. No. He wanted to kill we were the looking evil for whales. whales. We needed whales. No, no, yeah, it was the giant spaceship from, from nowhere. Oh, the aliens Us ate whales. We needed the whales. No, stop. I will explain this to you. Okay. Gosh, you're all so bad at this. Giant spaceship shows up out of nowhere, destroys the entire Federation fleet, and destroys Earth because it's looking for the whales right. for reasons that are never right. fully explained. So, of course, Captain Kirk and his plucky crew discover that they can conveniently travel back in time by flying to around Sacramento. the sun. So they fly back in time to what was then modern day. Was it Sacra- Sacra- no, no, San, San Francisco. Francisco? San Francisco. San Francisco. They end up in the bay with the whales, yes. if I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they have a whole bunch of adventures and hijinks. And then, of course, manage to take some whales, fly back, I guess, the other way around the sun to travel back to their present day, deposit the whales in the ocean, at which point the giant alien spaceship turns around and leaves and stops destroying all of Earth. And so, yeah, saving the whales literally saved the Earth. Seems like if you had pitched that to me and I were pretending to be a studio executive, I would just like punch you and throw you out of my office. You know, I remember enjoying the movie, but as I recount the plot, it does yeah. sound a little I love far-fetched. it. it was my I remember watching that movie for a bad movie night years ago. <laughs> bad movie. And I think that <laughs> I think that I was drinking because the only thing I actually remember about it was all of these whales in tanks. Yes. As they're walking they down through the whales what? in these <laughs> tanks. They had, to, they had to make the plexiglass. They had no, to yeah. the transparent aluminum. The transparent tra- aluminum. Yes, oh, yes. my God. Yeah, I do not remember this brought... much about this yeah. movie. Oh, you have to rewatch it. This no, aquarium sounds awesome, no, first of all. It's a genuinely great movie. This Isn't is that the one real. where Scotty picks up the mouse and says, hello, computer? Is yes. That, that's that's right. Right. Yeah. Another, <laughs> another classic scene. Yep. 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 Great movie. I'm sorry. Why are we anyway, talking about Star Trek? We're talking about so oh, tell us again, <laughs> read us the voting again. Okay, Matt. so the way the voting works is the assertion, the amendment, proposed amendment is Khan was the best villain on Star Trek. To vote pro for Khan or pro, vote, blah, 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 blah. Let me back <laughs> up. Vote for Khan, <laughs> vote pro. pro. A vote for Khan is a vote for pro. A vote Correct. for Khan is a vote for not Khan. Got it. Yes. Let's uh, say that one more time for us, Davis. <laughs> pro is Khan. Con is not con. Pro is con. Con is not con. Yeah. Pro, if you <laughs> are in it. favor of the statement that con is the best Star Trek villain. I think that's cool. And yeah. you got to use yes. the hashtaggy thing. Yes. <laughs> and this is the Limoncelli Amendment. It is. And, from uh, Tom and, Limoncelli. Yes. And Ilana, what is the hashtag for this? It's Stack Overflow Podcast. Stack Overflow, Stack Overflow Podcast. podcast. Now that everyone has 280 that's characters, right. no they can actually issue. put in the whole hashtag. <laughs> and I predict somebody will do the yelling con with all Very 280 likely. characters. I'm yes. already going to yes. tell you what's going to win. Now that you got 280 characters, I want to see an ASCII picture of a whale. 
That's what's going to win. Well, that's not part of the con story. Post your answer to Twitter, whether it's con or con with different spellings using the hashtag Stack Overflow Podcast and your explanation. The funniest explanation, whether it is on the winning or losing side, will be read aloud and you will be sent your very own sticker courtesy of the Stack Overflow Podcast. And you can also submit your ideas for future constitutional amendments, which do not necessarily have to be a pun on the way you respond using the same aforementioned hashtag Stack Overflow Podcast. And a future amendment might be featured on a podcast and named after you. Which brings us to, since we've decided, I think, conclusively that the search for the whales on the spaceship was awesome. One other awesome thing we want to highlight is DigitalOcean. Our podcast is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean just launched Spaces, a beautifully simple object storage service designed for developers who want a simple way to store and serve vast amounts of data. DigitalOcean thinks developers who try Spaces will love it, so they're making trying it easy. New and existing DigitalOcean customers can get a free two-month trial of Spaces by going to do.co slash stackoverflow. It's easy to remember because it rhymes. do.co slash stackoverflow. Check out Spaces by DigitalOcean today. And that brings us to, I think we have a discussion topic, don't we? Yes. So this is a research paper by researchers Fabio Calafado, Filippo Lanubil, and Nicole Novielli. Wow, I just really butchered their names. Oh, I think you nailed those. That's totally Italian right. Three Italian researchers who released a study called How to Ask for Technical Help, Evidence-Based Guidelines for Writing Questions on Stack Overflow. So it's a pretty interesting paper because what they did is they took actually some of our own recommendations from the Help Center, which were largely taken from John Skeet's blog post on how to write a question and some other recommendations that they found for things people say you should do when writing a question on Stack Overflow. And they tried to see if there's actually empirical data that confirms that those things work. So they defined success and they looked at a whole bunch of questions from the data dump and tried to detect which things actually correlated with a successful question. And their conclusion, I'll read their brief conclusion, is, quote, we found that regardless of user reputation, successful questions are short, contain code snippets, and do not abuse with uppercase characters. As regards affect, successful questions adopt a neutral emotional style. So I like the science that proves screaming at people, even on the internet, does not generally elicit positive I, results. I did like the part about uppercase letters. <laughs> yeah, that was That was one of my favorite parts. So they didn't say anything about emojis or exclamation points. Because those go over really well on Stack yes. Overflow, right? Well, so the neutral affect part was actually interesting because they did like a sentiment analysis, basically negative or positive, you know, and I guess what you might expect in other contexts is that if you have a negative, you know, sentiment, like you're angry or rude or something, then you'll get a bad response. But if you have a positive sentiment, like you're very friendly and you say thank you and please, then you'll get a better response. They actually found what I think John Skeet tells people, which is aim to be neutral on Stack Overflow. So they actually found there was definitely a negative correlation with being a meanie, but there was also <laughs> a slight negative correlation with being too nice. Although very small. I dug in a little bit and what you find like the negative, I don't really know what a coefficient estimate means, but I know it has to do with the size of the discrepancy. And the positive was like negative like 0.06. The negative is like 0.20 some odd. Like there's a significant much yes, worse it's much negative. worse to be a jerk. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes was, quote, we empirically confirmed community guidelines that suggest avoiding rudeness in question writing. <laughs> and this is just about the questions, right? They're not assessing niceness in answering questions or meanness in answering. It's just, no. the, just the asking. It's how to best ask a question to get a good response. Got it. Got it. So one rule is don't be rude, <laughs> which is great. It was interesting the ones that they could not 
demonstrate. So there's a table in their paper that you can look. So the things that they said were supported by the data, write questions using a neutral emotional style, provide sample code and data, use capital letters where appropriate, and be concise. The things that they at least weren't able to prove were supported were use short descriptive question titles. So they didn't find that length of the question title correlated one way or the other. Provide context through tags. They also were not able to show that any particular pattern in tagging seemed to influence results and provide context through URLs. They didn't find that including URLs necessarily made your questions better. So that was interesting. Now, I'm not sure that they proved the negative there. They just were not able to find that this is a thing that definitely helps. I wonder if tagging, I mean, there's obviously lots of different possible confounding factors and things, but tagging in particular, I wonder if the answer is whether you do it or not, someone does it and you're not judged harshly. Like if you make these other mistakes, I think the question is received mm. worse and there's a negative reaction. People often can't fix it for you if you don't put your code in, for example. Well, <laughs> if you don't tag a question properly, only put one tag on, it's actually one of the things the community sort of without complaint tends to fix. People go in and they add the right tags and it gets straightened out. And I wonder if that ultimately makes that one kind of wash out. I did wonder, not to poke at their methodology, I think this is super interesting. Most of it, I think, is more confirming scientifically some suspicions we had. And obviously, it's all correlations, right? We don't know what's causal because this isn't that kind of thing. But one thing I just did wonder about is they measure successes when the asker accepts an answer, which makes sense, right? The question is like, when does your question lead to you getting the result you wanted and indicating that? And I did wonder if some of these have some correlation where the type of people who follow up and accept questions behave in some way that is otherwise different than the rest of the universe. Interesting. But I don't know. Did they look at time to getting an answer? They looked at time of day and time of week, I think it's posted, like weekday, weekend. I don't think they looked at how long it takes to get an answer. They simply measured the likelihood of getting an answer that is ultimately accepted by the original poster. So I can yeah. keep titling mine, answer me now, all caps, exclamation point, exclamation point, just to, just to speed things up. Some of that's okay. <laughs> yes. But the all caps, they definitely proved that that will not help you. So use proper capitalization when you type help me now, exclamation point, exclamation point. Don't forget point, that poop point. emoji. <laughs> Are we going to be accepting an emoji poop soon? Where they're kind of like the first, you can imagine the actual oh developer could be a poop asking you their question in their own voice. Yep, we'll get we'll get right to work on that feature, Jay. Okay, excellent, excellent. Are you going to put that on that special feature board that you showed me just for my mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah, that's okay, great, that's awesome. Thank you. I like having that custom one. It's nice. I'm looking for the best day of the week. It's definitely weekday. That is not my experience. <laughs> There's another quote here they found that, and this one I think especially, I'm sure they tried to control for it, but I would wonder about correlation versus causation here. But they said that the better results are during American working time, basically. If you have to choose a time of day to post, you're better off posting during US working hours. And they did not find, which they said, I guess they referred to another study which had shown that posting on the weekend has a higher chance. They did not find that to be true. So they did not recommend posting on the weekend. So there you go. Go outside, watch a movie. <laughs> There's other reasons to not recommend posting on the weekend, I guess. So it's interesting. All right. Well, always excited to see science. One of the things <laughs> we like, you know, it's learning. It's, I don't know, Ben seems into people learning stuff, so I feel like we should support it. <laughs> we are always excited. For those of you who don't know, we have public data dumps. And one of the reasons we do that is to ensure that all of the knowledge contributed to Stack Overflow will always be available to both the people who created it and the rest of the developer community, even if a meteor should strike all of us at the same time one day and not the rest of you some. Anyway, but also lots of people use it to dig in and do analyses, do studies. We've had lots of awesome data science work. So please go ahead and you can get those. Where do we put those data dumps, David? Archive.org. Check it out. They're all there. And for a very small fee, no, just kidding, they're free, so help yourself. Which brings us to 
we should have a song for when there's a horrible game that everyone cheats at and I lose. But at least there'd be a song first, not enjoy it here. I'm oh, just all gonna... of a sudden we're cheaters because you lose? Yes, that is how I view <laughs> every Actually, game I lose at. Before we get to the game, I wanted to ask Ben while he's on because I've been hearing rumors about rumors. all of these crazy pranks. Oh, yeah. That went on <sighs> back in the day that I think that we need to hear about. I'm glad you brought this up, Thank Jess. Thank you. Has this podcast really not covered David's prank? Oh, it's been covered dozens of times, so you don't have to go into it. I do not know that it's been covered on the podcast. Pretty sure it's been it's been covered. We could move on. I think it's kind of rude to bring it up and not explain it. Yeah, right? it, it would be inconsiderate to our listeners. You got to take the lead on yours, David, because Karma came and got me after this one. So you tell yours and I'll tell mine. No, no. But it was you who pulled off the prank. It was, well, it was uh, okay, so pardon. here we go. All right, but I'll, David, I'll tell without your complete naivete and <laughs> Uh, sort of, I mean, it's just not your embarrassing lack listen, of. Okay, this is the story of all about how one Sorry. of the best, one of the best days, <laughs> one of my best days at work, which then turned out to be one of my worst days. At work. <laughs> I came in and found out that we just got new standing desks in the office in our new new office at Fog Creek, and I was really excited about this. We hadn't had standing desks before, and they were motorized and they were fancy. And I was even more excited when my good friend, who I trusted completely, Ben Caymans, showed me that <laughs> they were actually voice activated, and so you could yell at your desk, desk up, desk down, <laughs> and it would go up a little bit and go down a little bit. And I was just delighted by this and showed all of my coworkers, gathered everyone around so they could see how amazing this was. And it lasted a shockingly long time in my recollection. This was probably measured in hours, not minutes, before it was finally revealed that what they had actually done was just rewired the controller to go to the desk next door. And so anytime I shouted at my desk, the person sitting in the office <laughs> next to me pressed the button to make it go in the corresponding direction. I feel like you're really doing your own ignorance and the creators of this trick a disservice in the way. So first and foremost, <laughs> let's give a little bit of context for listening audience, because today you'd be like, well, that's not so crazy. What year would you say this was, David? When you were talking to a desk and it was moving up and down? <laughs> 2010, maybe? Okay, so that would be, let's Nine? call it seven Nine. years ago. This is think, a revolutionary Think back desk. to what devices you were talking to seven years ago, wait, listeners. Wait, 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 wait. But it wasn't just talking. It was saying things like, desk, go to... The current stock price of Yahoo yes. height. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> right. They were giving it arithmetic like people used to give to horses that they then thought could answer the horsey arithmetic questions with their hooves. And, and the desk, like, the desk can do math. Oh, it was awful. It was it was terrible because once David was so excited by it, it was just we were also overcome with guilt. Oh, that was not how I felt watching the it's video. I have be to be honest. Terrible! It's going to be terrible. Michael Pryor, who I won't speak a love, but the you know CEO of Trello, or, or now works at Atlassian. Michael Pryor, who you know, those of you who know him, he's not really the kind of person to, to shy away from this thing. Couldn't even watch. He he left, and, and it was it was too mean for him. He left and couldn't be in the room anymore. So, so. I've seen this video, and that's why I wanted him to talk about it because David's face. When it starts going up after he shouted at it, you look like like a five-year-old at Christmas. <laughs> it was an amazing thing. It was an amazing thing. <laughs> oh. He just got a new puppy. and then his... It was very exciting. And then I found out, and I'm pretty sure I just got up and walked out and went home. <laughs> <laughs> Michael also got mad at all of us and didn't want it to go on, but wasn't going to ruin the prank. So he walked up to the desk and said, desk disable authentication code Michael Pryor or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then it stopped working for a long time because he wanted all of us to go back to work. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, Bennett, is my understanding, or you've implied that you got your comeuppance, which is a yeah. word I thought I would never have an ability to use in real life ever. So I that's did. good. My heart rate starts accelerating just thinking about, <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I don't think I know this story. Yeah, no, this was at Khan Academy, and we were probably, I don't know, 20 people at the time. I had put all this time into designing our interview process, and we had this whole great interview process design, and blah, 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 and we stole a bunch of stuff from Fog Creek, and tweaked a bunch of stuff. And so it was this sort of focal point of the company, and we were doing a whole bunch of interviewing. And so, you know, one day I get on, and I go check, I'm scheduled for an interview, and I check the applicant pipeline, and this person has this, you know, full history with the past interviews all in there, and blah, blah, blah. And I get on and start interviewing with this person, and it's a remote interview. And she has affectations in her voice and the way she speaks on the phone. I can't, I'm not going to try to impersonate, but it's as if you're talking to somebody who, you know, maybe they're on drugs, you can't quite tell, very hyper, lots of giggling, just crazy behavior, but was just nailing every single question that was coming on. And so what was actually happening, I'll just sort of spoil this so you can enjoy what's actually happening, which is that our executive assistant, Esther, who's an amazing person and also actress, apparently, decided to make this persona of this person and started interviewing. Now, Esther has never written a line of code in her life, but she had earpieces in, <laughs> and every interview question that I was giving, our other employees were giving specific coding answers to, and somebody else was typing in the shared doc for her and telling her what to say, and she acted this, you know, totally absurd and over-the-top persona. And so, you know, you're on an interview with somebody. It's a professional situation. I'm not going to call somebody out and say, like, what's going on with you? Wait, Are don't you, you recognize her? No, no, it's a remote thing. So there's no video. It's just phone call. Oh, it's and phone. Shared, I, I, sorry, I was thinking of video. So you're not on video. Sorry. I got it. So got I'm not it. on video. It's a phone call plus, you know, a shared coding environment. And you can't call somebody out. So I go through this whole interview. And then I'm just racked with this concern because this person is clearly an amazing developer and like really, and it was authentic. It wasn't <laughs> as if this person just magically knew all the answers. We actually went through all these problems and discussed them and blah, blah, blah. And she's discussing all these trade-offs. And so, you know, I go approach the other people who are on her interview panel and the whole company's in on it. What I didn't know is that in all these discussions, trying to suss out if anybody else had experienced this with this person, you know, I'm trying to be aware of not, you know, having implicit bias or sexism creep like, in. You don't want to blurt like, out, like, did you think she was on PCP? Because like, that feels like, weird. Yeah, what's going on here? Like, it's just a person's voice and behavior, and I didn't want to... And eventually, I'm like, okay, well, you know what? If I meet this person in person, I'll be able to suss out what's going on. And, you know, this person seems brilliant and great, so I'm going to hire. So, you know, I say, okay, hire. Hire this person. Well, the next step would be fly them out. They'll have lunch with us. They'll have lunch with the whole team, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it turned out that, of course, it was this other person. We went lunch. They came and met. They said, hey, I'm this fake person. They had set up a fake domain, fake side project. I was like quizzing the domain of this to try to figure out if I'm like something is off here. This is involved. Before the interview, they said, hey, instead of the normal interview room, somebody else is in there. You got to go take this in the kitchen. We've made it empty because they had prepped all these cameras all over the place. So they had everything. Everything was taped. It got set to this soundtrack and i've probably had to endure watching that video once every six months for the past six years as the company Rila is making fun of me it's been terrible it's been absolutely awful the sheer production values like i thought you're gonna tell me they hired ashton kutcher to pop out and yell no. stuff at you and 
It was intense. It was terrible. And you know what's even more fun, Ben, that probably you're getting to experience now that you've left Khan Academy is that they will continue to tell this story yeah. to new yeah. people who they hire who you have never met. And the only thing that those people will know about you is the most embarrassing moment of your professional life. That yep. is so insightful, David. I had not thought about that. Yep. Yeah. It's really pretty wonderful. It's a great thing. And every once in a while, they'll decide, you know what, let's also just re-release this on our blog <laughs> with the entire video without, you know, consulting the person in it whether this would be appropriate. Uh, well, it'll probably be on another blog on Monday. Yeah, maybe. thanks for mentioning that, David. It didn't occur to me it would be like legally permissible or okay to publish prank videos on a blog about your employees. But now that you bring that up, we've got yeah, some content. Great. I thought great. the prank that I was involved in shortly after I was hired here was pretty good. But What, what, did, what did we do to you? No, I, what I did. That makes more sense, I, actually. I called, I called one of our sales reps. Oh, yeah. And I pretended to be a customer and they would just like fed me all the information and... <laughs> we all listened to it afterwards. And yeah, it you pretty. had a really good voice. It was awesome. Yeah. Alana is a voice actor in addition to being <laughs> a fantastic news editor. Oh, thanks. Yes, yes. Oh, wait. I've got one more prank, actually. This is a quick one. This was an April Fool's prank, which was amazing because it actually worked on April Fool's, and Ben was here for this. This was... Uh, directed internally. So Joel had Joel on software, has blog. And so we all woke up on April 1st to see that Joel had published a new blog post, which wasn't uncommon. We didn't know when he was going to publish. He'd publish a new blog post. And you're rereading this blog post <laughs> on his blog. And it, he's talking about, you know, our flagship product at the time was Fogbugs. It was where we made all our money from and so on. And, you know, and people buy licenses and so on. And, and we get down and Joel's going on and on. And all of a sudden he says, and that's why we've decided to open source Fogbugs. And we're like, haha, very funny. Joel's decided to open source Fogbugs. You know, we get it. It's April Fool's. And and then there's a link and you click the link and all of a sudden I'm downloading all of the source code to Fogbugs and <laughs> freaking, freaking out because I'm like, oh my gosh, Joel wrote a fake blog post, but somehow accidentally included the real code. So this prank has now become reality and he just shipped the whole source code to the entire universe. Ben, do you remember this happening? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, the blog post was so well written in Joel's voice. Yeah. What had actually happened was another employee. Ben Pollack, who had written it in Joel's voice and set it up so it was internal only. So you had to be like on the Fog Creek VPN and then it was replacing, you know, the page with a different page with Ben's blog post on it. So only people inside the company could see it, which is how they pulled it off. But this like totally, Michael Pryor had the best reaction because he saw it at home. Somebody was on the <laughs> VPN and he like lost his mind when he read, like panicked, like was like calling the office, trying to get a hold of somebody, like racing into the office, being like, what is going on? What are you He's taking down the company. <laughs> I have to be honest with you, as a close friend of it, he's never been the same. He's st it's still quite sad. <laughs> so, all right, there you go. That's one more prank. Okay, so now we can get to the game, but I just needed to know. You know, to, if we skip the game, know. it'd be okay. Honestly, I, <laughs> oh, I, no. I, I oh, hate no. losing. So, the game is called Start Up or Shut Up. If you, it's the first time you've been hearing the podcast that we've done the game, it's three rounds of three startups. Two of the startups are real, and one of the startups is fake. I've made it up. So I'm going to read you all three, and you get to tell me which one is fake, and whoever gets the most right will win. And it's usually not Jay, which That's is true. why he never wants to play this game, because he is so bad at it. Other things I dislike, football and most sports. <laughs> so, everybody ready? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Cool. So I'm going to read each one off. After I read them all, I'll ask everyone which one you think is fake. Get on to the next round. Okay, so round one, the first startup is called Roomstorm. R-O-O-M-S-T-R-O-M. Roomstorm partners with industry-leading accommodation providers to enable the seamless and automated issuance of hotel rooms to airline passengers during flight disruption. Mm, okay. 
So they're going to partner you with like okay. places when your flight gets canceled. Okay, the second one is called Quibbly. Your Q U I B B L Y. Your quibble helper. Use the Quibbly app to mediate arguments. From small misunderstandings to large family feuds, Quibbly will guide you to a positive resolution. Your quibble helper. Okay. And the third one is called Skedaddle. It's S K E D A D E L. Photos are the new review. Open your phone, discover where to go right now, your local guide for every city in the world. I have an important question. Uh-huh. Is Quibbly Q-I-B-B dot L-Y or Q-I-B-B-L-Y dot com? <laughs> no, it's Q-U-I-B-B-L-Y. It's an, it's an app. Oh, it's an app. Yeah. So it's not a Libya. Okay, got it. Nope. Got it. That would be great, though. Q-U-I-B-B dot L-Y. Remember when everything was an adverb because you get those domains? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Roomstorm, Quibbly, and Skedaddle. This is a hard one. Give us the pitch on Skedaddle one more time. Skedaddle is photos are the new review. Open your phone, discover where to go right now, your local guide for every city in the world. So it's basically, I guess, a Yelp, but just for photos and for more than just... Yelpstagram. Yeah, it's, it's totally Yelpstagram. Yelpstagram. Oh, we should take that and sell it to Yelp for a million dollars. All right, I'm just going to jump there. I think Quibbly's fake. Fake, 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 fake news. Okay. I got to agree on Quibbly. That would be awesome if it exists, but it seems unlikely. Okay. Ben? I'm voting Roomstorm. Okay. David? I was going to say Roomstorm as well. Ilana? I'm going to go Quibbly. Quibbly? Oh, no. The fake, the fake one is Quibbly. Yes! I am, not, I, am not, I am not currently losing. <laughs> this game sucks. And this was... <laughs> And to be clear, the fake ones are written by you, Jess? Yeah. Yes. All right. So, Quibbly, TM, Jess TM. Party. I think it was the first one, one of the early ones where Jess made up this totally ridiculous startup, except it completely existed. I'm like, that is a lie, and I've purchased their stuff and yeah, met their they, CEO, it was, and it did exactly what they what she had made up. It was neighborhoodies. Neighborhoodies. Yep. Yep. So, now I check and make sure any of the ones yeah. that I come up with are not actual real ones. Right. I own one that says Park Slope that has neighborhoodies sewn right into it. <laughs> so good. All right. Everybody ready for round two? Yes. Okay, the first one is called Clarify, that's C-L-A-R-I-F-A-I, Amplifying Intelligence. Clarify is a technology company working at the thin layer between machine learning research and the next wave of applications. If that is not real, you'd beautifully (laughs) amalgamated every other company like this as slogan into that, because that sounds great. Well, I am tricky like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. All right, the second one is called Valet Anywhere. Valet Anywhere tackles the pains of urban car ownership by solving parking and auto maintenances, so gas, wash, services, inspections, etc. So just a valet for your car. And the third one is called Guest Who. That's G-U-E-S-T, Who. Guest Who is an end-to-end program that enables you to add your apartment or summer home to the hotel rental market with pricing structures that rival Airbnb. Do they plug into VRBO? I don't know. I'm oh to quiz you. Okay, uh, you answered fast, right? I don't know. But the ones that are real are verbatim real. Got it. I do not change the ones that are real. I just come up with my own. Verbatim would be a good startup name. I don't know what they'd do. Hmm. I am at the end. Verbatim. Right? That's, that's exactly. what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So clarify with an AI at the end, valet anywhere, and guest who. Tough one. Jay, you want to make a guess? I happen to be familiar with one of these. 
Yeah, me too. Oh, really? Me too. <laughs> so you'd go last. You guys should go last there because uh, you'll give us too much information. So I'm gonna say valet anywhere sounded something was off. It was like too broad and too narrow at the same time, and I don't know. Cool. Hey, Matt. Want me to go last? I, I yeah. Oh wait, you already knew. Yeah. Okay, Ben, do you have a guess? I'm going guess two. Okay. <laughs> David. Oh man. Um, I'm going with valet anywhere. Okay. Lana and Matt. I'm going to go with valet anywhere. Okay. I'm going to go with guest who. It seems like something Jess would make up. <laughs> because I'm awesome like that? Mm-hmm. Precisely. So did you know that Clarify was a real one? I'm having lunch with someone that works at Clarify next, <laughs> next week. <so. laughs> and would you describe them as like a real person or a persona created for a dumb podcast? <laughs> and, did, and did Jess book that lunch? Did she arrange that lunch? It's a, it's a prank. It's a prank. <laughs> It's an elaborate This is like the the Econ Academy level of prank now where fake meetings are being set up. (laughs) Matt, which one did you say was? I said guest who, yes. So guest who is the fake one. Oh, man. Dying here. Matt is leading. He has gotten both of them right so far. Not about who wins or loses. (laughs) He's pretty sure it is. He's pretty sure it is. That's a constitution question. You're at a disadvantage not living out in the Bay Area if you think Valley Anywhere sounds strange. (laughs) <laughs> I was actually really proud of myself for Guess Who. I That's need to awesome. turn yeah. that into something. Okay. Yeah. So Valet Anywhere was a boring enough name that I was like, ah, Jess wouldn't have done that. She would have done something more clever. <laughs> Guess that. Who yeah. sounds like a murder mystery parlor game you would have mm-hmm. bought in like the late 80s, early 90s. Yep. Good one. Also TM, Jess Pardue, Guess Who. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. 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 You are intellectual property. All right. Round three. First one. Rekindle. Friends of Friends. We believe the best way to meet new people is through friends. Rekindle discovers friends of friends, the people you can't find on Facebook or LinkedIn, and gives you a simple way to connect with them. Okay. 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 And the second one is called Minimalist. That's M-I-N-I-M-A-L-L-I-S-T. Minimalist. Simplifying your life. If you've ever had a problem with downsizing your home or office, you're not alone. Allow Minimalist to guide you through the process. And the third one is Rebel. Or Rebel? Rebel. Rebel, making emails interactive. Our product powers secure interactivity inside of emails for e-commerce and SaaS companies. Our first product enables simple one-click checkout inside of emails for e-commerce retailers. I think there's enough gobbledygook in that one that it could be real, (laughs) or is it too much jargon? We've got Rekindle, Minimalist, and Rebel or Rebel. Uh, Minimalist. Final answer. Okay. I, I don't know. It sounds like it, it's like it's like the perfect moment for all those tiny home weirdos to need just that app. <laughs> I'm gonna say Rekindle is fake because it sounds like Facebook, but for the exact same people who are already on Facebook. I do not <laughs> understand what they're getting at. Because we all need more social media platforms. Yes. Right, right. That's the one thing this country needs. I concur. I I think uh, Rekindle. I think that's fake. Okay. I'm going Rekindle. Okay, Rekindle is fake. Ben, do you have a? Going with the crowd. Rekindle. Rekindle? Man. Okay. David's the only one that got it right. (gasps) David! I made up minimalist. Wow. Finally. Really? Yeah, but also minimalist. TM, Jess (laughs) Bard. I mean, I know someone who does this for a living, so. (laughs) Yep. All right, so what was the final score? Was anyone keeping keeping track? The final score is Matt with two, and then Jay, Ilana, Ben, and David all with one. Yes. yes. High scoring game. It would be fair to say I was tied for second place. You were tied for <laughs> yes. second place. All second. right, then. You are not a loser. Uh, 
Well, you sound just, you sound just like you sound just like let's my not, mom the way you say yeah, it. Let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so congratulations, Matt! You get a toilet wand or Yay, whatever. We want. Oh, is that what, is that the prize? Yeah. Usually, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're still trying to get rid of them. It's the disposable kind. We bought. No, it sounds lot. great. We sounds bought great. a lot of them. We also have some extra like baby wipes that you can. Oh have my god. Too. So we accidentally got I accidentally I don't I don't want massive... any questions answered or asked about the baby wipe situation whatever it is <laughs> just don't look under my desk okay why are all the prizes so toilet oriented that's an excellent question <laughs> that is a good question all right so Some yeah kind of congratulations Matt all right well this is when we would normally present the news and it would sound like this but we don't have time for that today so we are going to jump right ahead and say goodbye because you've gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Overflow podcast number 121 recorded Thursday, November 9th, 2017 at Stack Overflow headquarters in New York City where every day looks like a Renaissance era hellscape painting. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by Oracle. Go to developer.oracle.com to learn about all the ways that Oracle supports developers like you. And Spaces by DigitalOcean. For a two-month free trial of Spaces, go to do.co slash stack overflow and atlantic city where dreams go to die <laughs> our audio engineer is carlos hernandez audio editor is david greenley technology concierge is michael rosa producer is jess pardue for david fullerton alani itsaki matt sherman ben caymans and me your host jay hanlon thank you your homework this week is to watch the big sick it is easily the best romantic comedy i've ever seen and that's including the one about the couple that falls in love with a time traveling mailbox it is genuinely phenomenal go watch it goodbye everyone bye bye hello computer hello computer We're gonna watch Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek, Trek Four. Yeah, who hasn't seen it? It's been a long time. I, 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 could I have it on VHS if anybody wants to watch it. You were super quick to say that. Like you've been waiting for twenty years for someone to be like, <laughs> "I have a VHS player. That would be awesome." Ilana loved this movie for some reason. It was my favorite one. What can I say? Aww. It was my favorite too. But it was funny. It was funny. It was definitely the funny one. It's also peak Shatner. It was really Peak Shatner. Like, biggest wig. His, yeah, his helmet hair was on point for the entire thing. My favorite movie growing up, and it's my favorite movie now still, is Bloodsport. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. It is my absolute... That's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, no? okay. it is absolute. Okay. It is peak Jean-Claude Van Damme. You get to see the splits, lots and lots of the splits. Oh, he does the splits. That's true. I like that. You are not a loser.